Welcome to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now here's a message from one of the pastors here at the Rock. Amen, amen, amen. So one of the things about spring, I have a question for you. Anybody in here have a habit, a tradition of planting a garden springtime here in Southern California? Can I see a show of hands? You plant a garden. It doesn't have to be fancy. If you put a few seeds in the ground, that's my definition of a garden. Or in a pot, right? Anybody else over here plant a garden, plant a garden? Well, I have a little garden story for you. So um, when I bought the house that I currently live in, the people who lived there before me had a garden. So my first year there, I got to eat of their garden, right? Le- all kinds of lettuces and all kinds of just vegetables that they had. And I was like, wow, this is amazing, right? Then the next year, for some reason, there was like fewer vegetables. Weird, right? By the third year, there was like no vegetables. I don't know what happened, right? I guess all their seed had gone and I never planted any more seeds. So, but I definitely enjoyed it. But just seeing that there was this space and they had planted a garden, I thought, I've never done this before, but... I'm going to go ahead and try it, right? So I decided to plant a garden, planted all kinds of things, tomatoes, uh, radishes, watermelon, which just gave me lots of flowers and leaves, never saw watermelon, Uh, zucchini, which, wow, right? Zucchini just grows and they grow ginormous. And um, I planted some snow peas, <laughs> never again, right? Snow peas, let me tell you, there was more harvest than I could even p- pick. I mean, the things just died on the vine. They came out by the thousands. We put this wood grate up, and they just climbed up to the top and started multiplying uncontrollably, right? So I'll never plant snow peas again since I hardly eat them. But what I learned after a few years of doing this is what I really liked from the garden was the tomatoes, I loved the different kinds of tomatoes, right? The big juicy steak tomatoes, the little tiny tomatoes, all kinds of tomatoes. So that was my favorite part. So one year I decided, you know, this tomato thing is really good. I'm enjoying the tomatoes. I'm going to do something new. I'm going to put some more effort into my garden. And I went and bought a bag of fertilizer, like nutrition. I don't even remember what it was called. Like not fertilizer, but it was some kind of something you added to the soil. To make it better. Can you tell I'm a professional gardener here? Yeah? You can tell my years of experience. Sorry, I'm having a little bit of microphone difficulty here. All right. So anyway, I decided I'm putting some effort. These tomatoes are going to be amazing. So I do this into the soil, turn it all over, plant all of the saplings or the seedlings, that's what they're called. And I put the wires, there's like these giant wire frames that you put on each tomato, right? Because the tomato's so heavy that the tomato plant will fall over. So you need these wire frames to catch them. And I had giant ones and small ones. I was ready for a tomato harvest. And guess what? The fertilizer worked. The garden began to grow. And when I say grow, I mean like jungle grow. The thing grew. These plants were like way taller than I was. Big old leaves. It was everywhere. Green everywhere. Guess what I never saw? Not a single tomato. Whatever I fancy did to that soil completely ruined it. It loved the green plants and they grew. But I didn't get a tomato. What also happened that year was I never planted a garden again. (laughs) Right? My one failure, the one time that I didn't get any fruit after putting all of that effort into the ground, I just decided, you know what? Okay. I may need a... Yeah, why don't we do that so this thing doesn't keep falling off. 
Thank you. But as I thought about that, and I thought about what we were talking about tonight, what I realized is how much this happens, right? How often disappointment gets us off track, right? How we can let one little, I mean, that was one, after I had several years of successful gardening, one failure, it's been over 10 years, I haven't put anything in the ground, ever. I mean, I haven't done anything since, why? Because it was a disappointment, and I just never went back because I didn't get what I was expecting for. I put time, energy, effort, finances, work, sweat on my knees. You know, you have to go a little pads and get down on your knees and dig the ground out and all that stuff. And then I had nothing as a result of my effort. So I just decided I'm not doing this again, right? I was disappointed and I got off track. And as I thought about it, I thought, you know, this is really sad that I let this one season stop me from putting seed in the ground. But how often that happens to us, not just in the natural, but in the place where it matters even more, right? In the unseen world of our own soul, of our own life, that we can get disappointed and we can get off track and it can stop us from doing the thing that we know produces good fruit, the thing that we actually enjoy. Because one time when we made an effort with God, we made an effort to change something, we didn't see the fruit and so we get off track. And so what I want to say to you and what I want to say to myself tonight is, guess what? It's planting season. It's planting season. It's time to get back on track with those things that are important. So I want to talk a little bit about planting tonight. And did you know that God is a planter? He's a planter, right? Jesus, when he's revealing to us the kingdom, the Bible says that he taught them about the kingdom in parables. Right? And he taught them about the kingdom in parables to reveal to those who had ears to hear what the kingdom was like. And those who didn't have ears to hear, it would be concealed from them. So what I want to do is I want to spend a little bit of time looking at how God is a planter because I want to be like God, right? I want to be like Jesus. I want to do the things that God does. I want to do the things that Jesus showed us that we should do. So we're going to look at that a little bit and lay a foundation and identify in the word and get inspired by the fact that God is a planter, is someone who sows seed into the ground, and then look at how we need to do that in our life. Are you ready for that tonight? All right, so go ahead. If you have your Bibles with you, open them to Matthew chapter 13. We'll be there for a little bit tonight. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible with you tonight, all of the scriptures, or at least most of them, will be up on the overhead for you. Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 and 25, it says like this, Jesus presented another parable to them. Jesus was talking to the multitudes. He has his disciples there, scribes, Pharisees, right, the mixed multitude, those who just wanted to hear. All kinds of people were listening to him. And he says he presented another parable to them, saying, the kingdom of heaven... It's like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and they left. Right. He's sowing good seed into his field. If it's his field, it's probably good field. He probably didn't ruin it with the little stuff that I put in mind, right? Good seed, prepared good seed into a good field. And so we see here in this particular parable, a man sowed good seed. Right? And Jesus goes on to reveal who that man is. A little further down in the same chapter, verses 36 through 38, he says, Then he left the crowd, speaking of Jesus, and he went into the house, and his disciples came to him and said, his disciples came to Jesus and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And he said, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. 
So Jesus is revealing to them, I'm the one who sows the seed. Son of man is the terminology that Jesus used to refer to himself. He says, and the field where I'm sowing this good seed, the field is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom. And the weeds are the sons of the evil one. So Jesus is revealing not only that he sows, that he is a sower, but what he's sowing, if you are a follower of Jesus, is you and I. He is actually sowing the kingdom kids, the sons of the kingdom, is what he is sowing into the world, his sons and his daughters. Why does he do this? Because he wants fruit. He wants a harvest, right? When I put those seeds in the ground, I was hoping for all kinds of tomatoes, right? If we sow, we sow with intention. We want fruitfulness. We want a harvest. We want to receive something from our efforts. And Jesus says he's sowing the sons and daughters of the kingdom, the kingdom kids into the world, that he is also a sower. Same chapter there, verses 31 and 32, it says, And he told them another parable, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a person took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all the other seeds. But when it's fully grown... You know, for something to become fully grown, it takes time. Something about sowing, there's a time factor, right? You sow something into the ground, it doesn't just happen instantly. When you sow something into the ground, it goes into the ground, it goes into a dark place where you don't even see what's happening, but lots of things are happening, right? It's growing roots. It's learning how to drink, right? It's becoming alive. The seed is opening. Lots of things are happening, even though on the surface, we don't see. And what we see here in this parable, there's a time factor. When it is fully grown, that takes time. He says, and it's larger than the garden plants and it becomes a tree. So this mustard seed grows larger than everything else in the garden and becomes a tree. Then he says, so that the birds of the sky come and nest in its branches. So what do we see happening here? We see a person planting a seed. It's a tiny seed, but over time it becomes a tree. It takes time. Is this Jesus? Well, because of right, translation, or should I say interpretation principles, right, we just saw the last parable that the man, the sower, was Jesus. So we can also assume, using the consistency of interpretation, scripture interpreting scripture, that this sower is also Jesus. Is it Jesus again? Is the field the world again? Is there only one tree that he's planting? These are the questions that I think about when I read this parable. I would propose to you that yes, that this seed that Jesus plants in this particular parable, this one small seed grows up to become the church. How did I jump to that? Let me read you something. It's up on the overhead out of Ezekiel, an Old Testament prophet, because part of this parable is Jesus quoting out of the Old Testament. And one of the places where we see this particular quote is in Ezekiel chapter 17, verse 23. It says this, And on the high mountain of Israel I will plant it, so that it may bring forth branches and bear fruit and become a stately cedar. And here's what he was quoting. And the birds of every kind will nest under it, and they will nest in the shade of its branches. What's happening here? 
God is a planter. He is sowing into the ground. Jesus sows a seed, and out of this seed, he expects a large harvest, right? A harvest that the birds can nest it, that the beasts can come and take rest underneath. There's going to be fruitfulness there's going to be a harvest. There's going to be his presence. Now, you may be thinking, Teresa, Pastor Teresa, you should develop that a little bit more. Well, let me tempt you. We do develop it a little more in Bible college. So if you want to learn more, the inside and the outsides, dig into the Old Testament, watch this thing come alive. Rock Bible College. All right. Next enrollment, August. I'm just sowing a seed. That's all. Sowing a seed. It's going to take some time before it comes to fruition. In the kingdom of God, you and I, that you and I have been born again to, if you've been born again and you are a follower of Jesus tonight, it's a kingdom of sowing and reaping. In this kingdom, things begin with a seed. That's what we see in this parable, right? There's a parable that comes before these, right? And it, where Jesus talks about if you don't understand this parable, you're not going to understand any of the rest, Right, that the kingdom of God comes with a seed. It begins with a seed. And God, my point to you tonight is to recognize one of the characteristics of God. How he works is that he plants things. He sows seed with intentionality to reap a harvest, to see fruitfulness. Things begin with the seed. So let's go ahead and just look at one more parable. This is the first parable I was referring to, and I'm going to read it to you. I don't believe it's up on the overhead. Out of Matthew 13, so if you're there, you can read along with us. The first nine, eight verses, nine verses. It says, that day, Jesus went out to the house, and he was sitting by the sea, and a large crowds gathered to him. And he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed some seed, as he sowed, some seed fell by the road, and the birds came and ate them. And other seed fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came and choked them out. Here you go, verse 8. And others fell on good soil, and they yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know, we might ask ourselves, why does Jesus communicate in parables? Right, the disciples asked the same thing in the next verse. They came up and said, the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus explains in verse 11 of that same chapter, Jesus answers them and says, To you it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been granted. I'm thankful to be a disciple of the king of kings, the disciple of the parable teller, right? So that you and I can have insight into the kingdom of God. To you it has been granted. To you it has been granted, son and daughter of the kingdom. If you look over in Mark when he, he records this parable, when he goes to, in, to, when Jesus goes to interpret the parable, to explain the parable to the disciples because they asked him to explain it to them, Mark records this. Mark records Jesus saying, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? And then he goes on to say this, the sower sows the word. 
So just like we talked about putting seed, maybe tomato seed or, or seedlings in the ground, in the kingdom what is sown is the word of God. In the kingdom, Jesus is revealing to his disciples that this upside-down kingdom, right, the way things are done in the natural are not the way they're done in the kingdom. We don't apply change from the outside. We apply change from the inside, right? Things begin in the heart, and it's the condition of the heart that's going to determine whether that but fruit comes out of the ground, whether there's fruitfulness, whether there's a harvest, whether there's plenty, is going to be determined by is there a seed sown and the, the ground of the heart, the condition of the heart that the seed lands in. He goes on to say in verse 20 in the book of Mark, chapter 4 still, and those, as he's explaining to the disciples, and those are the ones on whom the seed was sown on the good soil. Right? What, what, what happened to the ones that were good soil? We saw that they were fruitful, right? 30, 60, and 100. Why? They hear the word, they accept the word, and then they bear fruit. 30, 60, and 100 fold, right? I can throw seed onto the ground in planting a garden, but if I just throw it on the surface, nothing's going to happen, right? I've got to dig deep. I've got to take a little bit of that ground soil out, put the seed under. It has to be accepted by the ground. It has to go in into that hidden place where I can't see it anymore, where I don't know for the next 30 to 65 days if anything at all is happening, right? But the seed goes in, and when it's good soil, we can trust that it's going to begin the process of bearing fruit. Right? Who's the sower here? Jesus says in the parable of the wheat and the tares, we saw that Jesus was the sower. He said the son of man sows the children of the kingdom. But here in this first parable, the sower can be anybody who sows the word. What do we know about the sower? The sower sows the word. Jesus sows the word. The Holy Spirit sows the word into our life. We can sow the word into our life. The sower is anyone who sows the word. Luke 18, 15 tells us this and reminds us and affirms this. Now this is the parable, the way Luke records this. He says, this is the parable. The seed is the word of God. So if you can I can get this word of God and begin to sow it in our life, then we can have an expectation of fruitfulness, right? I've got a piece of dirt outside of my kitchen window that hasn't been fruitful in a long time. Why? Because I let disappointment stop me from putting anything in that ground. And it just sits there useless. It's just dirt. It's not doing anything. The question today is are there places in our life, are there places in our heart where we could be sowing the word but we've stopped? or we haven't dared, or we haven't believed, or maybe we just have been hoping for things, but we haven't understood this principle of the kingdom, that the kingdom of heaven involves a, a seed word, a kingdom word that I can choose to take and bury in my heart, plant in my heart, sow in my heart. Because on this first parable, the emphasis is not about the sower, we don't know who the sower is. The emphasis is on the seed word going into good ground. Good ground, right? So how do we apply this principle, this character of God, this kingdom principle about sowing seed, that God is a sower, that Jesus has sown to, to reap the church, that God is sowing the sons and daughters of the kingdom into the world to reap a harvest? How does that affect our every day life, right? He wants us to be 
fruitful today, tomorrow, our future, our destiny, our plans. We can do so strategically with God, right? So the good news, the gospel news today is I want to say it again. It's planting season, church. It's planting season. I'm ready to plant, right? Because I don't think a new day is going to happen in my life unless I do some planting, right? I want some new things to be born, then there's going to have to be some intentionality. In Matthew 13, verse 11, you have it open there. He said, to you it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom. If this is a mystery of the kingdom, then let's not leave here confused. Let's leave with clarity that the word of God is seed that we can sow in our life, right? Jesus sows the kingdom seed in good soil, and he gets kingdom kids. Then he sows the kingdom kids into the world, right, and he gets fruitfulness. The world, the world is blessed, right? It is on, becomes an earth like it is in heaven because you and I are here living on this earth. Jesus sows a tiny mustard seed, and he reaps the church, right? He lays down his life, and it dies, in the, goes into the ground, and becomes the church of the living God. The question God is asking us today is what are you sowing and planting in your life? Are you expecting a harvest because you've been intentional in sowing? Or are you expecting a harvest just because you hope so? I've had areas of my life where I've just hoped so. Maybe it'll happen. God's good. Maybe he'll make it happen. And sometimes those things happen and sometimes they don't. But I've had areas of my life, right, where I've been intentional about sowing seed, where I've confronted a misbelief, where I've confronted a misattitude, where I've confronted a misbehavior, where I've confronted a thinking pattern that wasn't from God with the word of God, and bam, that change manifests, right? Then there's fruit. Then there's a result. And that's the kind of people that Jesus is saying, this is a mystery to those on the outside, but to those on the inside, I am inviting you to put into application the seed word, which is why I love at the end of a message, usually Pastor Dan will take a moment and say, what is God speaking to you, right? You just got a lot of information. Your heart has been encouraged and ministered to you, but now stop and listen to the Holy Spirit and be intentional about grabbing that word, writing it down, becoming accountable to it. What is that? Intentionally sowing it into our hearts and lives so that we can see fruitfulness, so that we can see change. God hasn't called us to just come to church and come to church and come to church without sowing and seeing transformation and seeing change and becoming who he has planted us to be in the earth because you and I were planted here with intentionality when he decided that you would be born in this day, in this age, in this area, that you would live in this part of the world. He did it with intentionality. He sowed your life because he wanted you to impact the world around you. And you and I, and you have to put those principles into practice so we can see fruitfulness. We can see fruitfulness and eat of those nice juicy tomatoes, right? Eat of the goodness of a garden in our own life. And more importantly, others can, right? Because the reality is the tree doesn't eat its own fruit. But those who come near the tree, they take and eat of it and they're blessed. They receive life, right? Yeah, and I want to be that kind of person in my life. And that, that's a kingdom principle. That's God's design for you and I. Let's go ahead and look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. 
It says, you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. We were born again by an imperishable seed. Other translations will say an incorruptible seed, right? An everlasting seed. So it all began with a seed, right? This isn't a, a foreign concept, right? And the, it goes on to explain that is through the living and enduring word of God. So now we've seen it in several places in scripture that the word of God is seed for our life. Our relationship with Jesus began with the seed word. We've been born again by an imperishable seed. Psalms 119.11 says, Your word have I hidden in my heart. Kind of like what we do with the seed, right? We take that seed and we hide it in the ground. I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Notice there's a choice here. I have to be deliberate in hiding God's word in my heart. I'm so thankful as a child that I went to a program. Maybe some of you are familiar with it. When I was a little kid, my neighbor took me to a program called Awanas, right? And what we did there is compete, and I like to compete, right? But it just so happened that the competition was about memorizing God's word. They knew what they were doing. They tricked us into that, right? I don't know if I had much interest in memorizing God's word as a 10 and 11-year-old, but boy, I did because I just wanted to win, right? I just wanted to beat the other people, get on the top of the leader chart, get the little prizes that they gave me. But that word was living, right? That word became seed, right? I'll tell you what I'm thankful for for a youth program that I, that I grew up in. They used to have a chart on the wall with our names, and we would get stars. You know this is way back, right? Yeah, okay, today it would have to be some app that, like, pings you, right? Gives you your dopamine rush. Memorize a new scripture. Um, so, and so what we did is we'd memorize scriptures, right? And I remember there in seventh grade getting to the point where we were memorizing chapters, we were driven. Were we driven because I was so in love with Jesus? I actually didn't give my heart to Jesus I was 16. This is like 13, right? But what happened? I was sowing seed, right? I was so, and they knew enough that we're going to put these kids in a competition and they're going to start hiding God's word in their heart, right? Years and years of hiding God's word in, the, in my heart. Boy, am I thankful. What it saved me from, what it kept me from, how it gave me the ability to hear God when he called. But here's what happens sometimes. We grow up and we forget to be intentional about hiding God's word in our heart, right? I was really thankful when I went to Bible college. They gave me a little box. And in that box it was filled with cards. You're going to memorize all of these scriptures this year, Right? And I was thankful because these external forces were making me and keeping me hiding God's word in my heart. But here's what I don't want to do, and I hope that you're not doing, is just because we're not in an organization or a program that's pushing us, neglecting, hiding God's word in our heart. We need to be intentional about that so that we can reap the harvest of righteousness that God has for us. He's got so much for you. He's got so much for me. But we've got to plant the seed so that we can reap the harvest that he dreams of, the garden that he wants to see come forward in our lives. He wants to look at his kids and go, wow, I'm so glad I planted Teresa in San Bernardino because she's fruitful and it's good for that city, right? It's good for those people. That's what he wants to look at when he says your name and sees where you and I have been planted. There's a choice 
to plant it in our heart. And it's that word that's there that's keeping us. Hebrews 4.12 says this. For the word of God is living and active. Right? Is living and active. We put it into our heart. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it penetrates as far as the division of soul and spirit. Man, that gives me the image of a seed. You know, the thing about seed, right, is at the tip of the, the roots of a seed of a plant, when it goes into the ground, it releases a chemical at the tips that allows it to penetrate, penetrate into rocks, penetrate into dirt, to go down deep, right, until it finds water, till it finds moisture, moisture so that it can have life, right? And this same word of God in our heart, it penetrates into the division of our soul and our spirit and joints and marrow, and it's able to do what? It's able to judge, to judge the thoughts and the intents of our heart. We let God's word come in to our heart and do some discernment, right? We need that today more than ever. The times are getting confusing. Things are getting light and dark. The area of gray seems to be expanding. Where do we stand, God? What do you say on all of these things happening in our society? You know what? It's that word of God in us that gives us that discernment, that helps us to judge, that gives us the ability to be wise because it's living and it's active and it's our choice to drop that into our hearts. To judge means that it reveals our intentions. And I don't know about you, but I've never wanted to be a person that follows my heart. Why? Because I know I learned as a little kid in that Bible memorization program, I learned this scripture right here. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful. Above all things, and desperately wicked, who can know it? I don't want, and I don't want to follow my heart. I want to follow God's word. I want the wisdom of God on the inside of me to be the thing that drives me, the thing that speaks to me, the thing that leads me to connect with his Holy Spirit that gives me discernment so that I can follow God's word and not just wherever my heart happens to be, if you know anything about the heart, right? Happens to be in that particular moment in time. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For as many, as many as the promises of God are, in him, all of those promises, in him, they're yes. So God says yes. Every promise in this word is already yes for you and I. But then it goes on to say, therefore... Through him also is our, that's me and you, our amen. Anybody know what amen means? So be it. Coming into agreement, right? So be it to the glory of God through us. So my so be it. God, have your way. Let your promises grow in my heart. My coming into agreement is going to bring him glory, right? He's going to be glorified in my life because I'm coming into agreement. Every time I think of that, so be it. I think of Mary. When Mary came, when the angel came and encountered Mary and told Mary the good news, right, that she would give birth to a child who would be the savior of the world, she said, let it be unto me, right? She was saying, so be it. I receive that word. And you and I the promises of God are already yes. Our job is to 
receive them, to plant them, to let them come into our heart, to come into agreement so we can receive the seed word. So we can spend a lot of time going into all different examples of seed words that we can sow into our heart and life. The Bible is full of them. But I just have two tonight that I want to go talk to you about. The first one is what if you're in a point in your life just as an example, to example, an example, to exemplify, what do I mean by taking that word of God? What do I mean? What did Jesus mean, right? When he says that we should sow that word, right? That the word of God is what goes into us and transforms us. Um, just a couple of examples. So I pulled out two things that I felt the Holy Spirit wanted me to, to, to hone in on tonight. The first one is what happens when you're in the face of a life decision, now, for all of us, that can mean something different because we're probably all making some life decisions, whether it's to stay or to go, to move or to, to, to stay planted, right, to, to get a new job or to keep the job, right, to, to, to make a new budget, maybe to, to have some children, maybe to start a new phase of life, maybe you're graduating or starting school or retiring or starting a new career or getting involved, right, some other aspect of your life. It could be so many things, saying yes to something new, saying no, right? I want God's word. I want God's wisdom, Right? How do I, what do I put in my life so that I can have God's wisdom? I, I, I found a couple of these yes promises, this yes plan from the word of God for us tonight. The first one is Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 3. And I, I took this out of the, the classic amplified version because I thought it captured well the heart of this verse. Proverbs 16, 3 says, roll, roll your works on the Lord. Right? Commit and trust them wholly to him. And he, here's your promise. Here's the yes promise from God. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. And so shall your plans be established and succeed. Right? So how do I apply this? How do I, I take this seed because I want my thoughts to be agreeable to his will, right? I want my life to be the best it can be, and I know that's only going to happen when it's lined up with his will. So what do I do? I begin to put this in my heart, and I begin to act on it. Lord, I'm going to roll my plans onto you. I'm going to commit my plans over to you. I'm going to say, God, this is all of my yes and no's, right? But I trust you, and I'm going to leave this idea, this decision right here with you. God, until your, my thoughts become agreeable with your thoughts. And I'm trusting that you're working in me in that dark place, even though I don't have an answer right now in this moment. Because like I said in the beginning, it takes time. Right? The seed goes into the ground and it takes time. But you know what? God is greater than time. So you're not running out of time, right? Trust in God. He's bigger than time. He can redeem the time. He can renew the time. He can go back and forward in time. I'm not worried in time, but what I am worried is making sure, not worried, but what I have decided is I'm not going to make my own decision until I've rolled my works over on the Lord because then he can work in me so that my thoughts become agreeable to him. Here's another one for you. Another one for us. Another yes promise from God. Philippians 2.13 says, it is God who is at work in you both to desire and to work for his good pleasure. 
Sometimes when we can't make a decision, when I can't make a decision and I'm sure to go left and right, I have to remind myself that God is at work in me both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. And if I have his word in my heart, I'm going to trust that he knows how to make his voice known to me. He created me. He made my ears. He made my eyes, right? And he said that his sheep will hear his voice in a voice of another. I will not follow, right? And so he is working in me and I trust that word, that seed word that I planted in in my heart that God's going to move in my will so that my desire aligns up with his desire and I can live my life with confidence knowing that God is moving on the inside of me. These are, these are seeds that we sow in us and guess what? They help us to walk surely, to walk confidently, to know that our, we're not just going wherever our heart takes us but we're looking up to God for these life decisions. Here's another one. I told you I was just going to go over two examples tonight. This is the second one I feel like we should talk about. And that's about insecurity. Insecurity because <laughs> it's a confusing world. If we look at the world and we don't keep our eyes on Jesus, things can be so confusing and cause you to self-doubt, right? And, 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 and not have surety in what God has called you to do and what God has created you to be as a child of the Most High God. One of my favorite psalms to remind myself and to remind others that I get to share with is that of Psalms 139. Psalms 139, the whole psalm is amazing, but we're just going to take a piece of it tonight. 13 through 16, it says this. For you, speaking of God, created my innermost parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you because, listen to this, I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Whoa. Wonderful are your works, God, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my formless substance, and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there were none of them. I'm going to tell you, when I'm feeling like I can't, I can't do it, I'm not qualified, God, I can't make that decision, I don't want to say yes to that new challenge, I just want to be here left alone because I can be that way, just leave me alone and don't let me do anything else, right, because I'm looking at my own abilities instead of God's abilities, we have to remind ourselves that we were fearfully and wonderfully made and that we have days that God the Almighty has ordained since before we were formed in our mother's womb that we should walk them out. He already had works for us. Wow. He already had a plan when we didn't even know that a plan was possible. Wow. Wow. There's no accidents in this room. There's no accidents online. You were formed by the creator of heaven and earth, and he knows you very well, and he has plans. He's ordained things for you. Let that minister to any lies of the enemy that would be the foundation of insecurity, right? We put those and we plant these things in our heart. And you don't have to wait till you're not feeling good. You plant them now. So when you're not feeling all, all of that and you're not feeling like you can conquer the world, you know what? There's some fruit coming out of the seed word that you've hidden on the inside of you. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we, 
we, you and I, are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we were created, and then we were created anew. He created us once, and then he created us again in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Just the idea that God planned long ago for things for me to do. Amen. Right? He's got plans. Now I just want to live them out. I want to walk in them. I want to experience all of them because I know that he's good and his plans for me are good. His plans for you are good. And you've been created and he's given you the ability to do those things. So maybe you're saying, I need some seed too. I need some word of God that meets my need. Right? And I said I was just going to talk about two things tonight. But here's the deal. Where do you find the seed word. You find it right here. This is the seed word, right? And that might be easy for me to say, but I remember early on in my life when I learned about the seed word as a Bible school student, and I remember thinking, yeah, but you all know where all those verses are, man, and this is a lot of words. You know, I just didn't know where they were, right? And back in 1996, I couldn't just ask Google either, right? So I was super intimidated, like, how am I going to find those particular words that I need. So here's a couple of things I just want to remind you. You always want to start with prayer. God, this is where I need some word. This is where I need to see some fruitfulness. This is where I need to be challenged. I need some change in my life, Lord. What is your word for me? And then once you pray, start to listen. Where do you listen? You listen when you open your word and read it every day. Here's what I found. I follow a Bible reading plan. Right? It just goes from Genesis to Revelation. It goes back to Genesis to Revelation. It's pretty simple. But here's what I found. It doesn't seem to matter where I am that God is able to take some crazy verse out of Leviticus and speak to me. Just like he can take something super practical in one of Paul's letters and speak to me. Wherever I am that day, he can feed me from that word if I will have ears to hear. Right? So it starts with asking, but then we turn on our ears. When else do we turn on our ears? When you get into service like today. I know that God is speaking to you today. I know that every time the word of God is open from this pulpit, that the word of God goes forth, that the Holy Spirit's able to take that word. And even if it has nothing to do with your situation and minister it to your heart and give you a seed word that you can plant on the inside of you. Right, so having ears to listen to the Holy Spirit in your everyday life. The Holy Spirit is with you. Right? He is with you. And as he's present, he is speaking. Learning to turn in, tune in to his voice is super important. Now you might say, I do those things, but sometimes I just want to know where that scripture is right now. So I brought up just a little example. You know, you don't even need these books nowadays with the internet. You can Google it. But this is a simple book that somebody gave us called God's Promises, right? And it's God's promises for your finances, for your health, for fear, when you're dissatisfied, when you're in need of courage, when you need confidence, right? When, when, what does the Bible say about praise? What does the Bible say? So it helps you to find those seed words. Get a hold of something like this. Go online, right, and look for those scriptures that directly address your situation. It's not a far off. God has your answer. He has your seed ready. We put a little bit of effort, and it's incredible how we can intentionally bring the word of God and plant it in our hearts and begin to see change 
Some change will happen like that because, you know, some of those saplings, they just spring up. And some of them stay under the ground for a really long time. But then they form a large tree, right? They give lots of fruit. So I hope that encourages you tonight. If you've been disappointed, right, if you've been disappointed maybe and you haven't done things right, right, kind of like I did in my tomato garden, so disappointed that I didn't plant again, you know what? I decided as I was writing this message, this year I'm going to plant something in that garden. I'm going to plant something in that garden because you know what? You and I are not called to let disappointments get in the way of God's provision for our life in any area of our life, right? In any area of our life. He's interested in all of it, right? So why not? And maybe I'll get leaves and maybe I'll get tomatoes, but it doesn't matter. What matters is I'm going to do something about the situation. What are you going to do about the situation? What are you going to do where you've been disappointed, haven't seen God move, have been wanting an answer? Can you be intentional? Can you determine in your heart tonight to be intentional about planting, about taking that key of the kingdom, the mystery of the kingdom of God, to take that seed word and to plant it again in your heart. James chapter 1 verse 21 tells us, with humility to receive the engrafted word. Humility is dependence on God. God, I need you. And I don't know how this word, how this scripture, how this verse is going to work, but I'm going to determine, I'm going to determine to sow it in my life because I believe you. And this is how you've designed the kingdom, designed the kingdom. And even though it doesn't make sense, a mystery of the kingdom, I'm going to trust you at your word. It's planting season. Last scripture for tonight. Hosea 10, chapter 12 says this. Plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. Will you trust him today? Will you plant the good seeds in the soil of your heart and expect to see a harvest He's a God who sows his word into the hearts of men to bring in the, out the greatest transformation and cause us to be born again. He's a God who sows his kingdom kids into the earth to bring forth a great harvest of life. He's a God who sows and brings forth his church and a bride for his son. So tonight he's asking us to be like him, to be a sower, to plant in our hearts his yes promises and to hold on to the so be it until it is because he who promised is faithful. He's faithful. Let's trust him enough to sow his word in our hearts and in our lives. Amen. Did you get something from God's word tonight? Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.